Welcome to the second News Talk SSE Airtricity League podcast of the season, even though the season kind of hasn't started yet. He is... Daniel Kelly. And I am Oshin Langan. And we're way ahead of the ball, Oshin, this year. Yes, we Two are. Two weeks in and the season hasn't even started. Well, it kind of has. Do you count the President's Cup as a season starter? The league season hasn't started, Oshin. The league season hasn't started. Look, we had planned to talk to Bray Wanderers, Harry Kenny, Sligo Rovers, Dave Robertson, Limerick's Martin Russell, Galway, Shane Keegan... And uh, Cabin Teeley's Pat Devlin, we did a whole bunch of interviews last week as well, including John Caulfield of Cork City, Stephen Bradley of Shamrock Rovers. Uh, we did Drogheda's Pete Matten. Who else did we do last uh, week? We also spoke last week to Waterford's Alan Reynolds and uh, Kenny, Shields, uh, Kenny Shields and his rattling keys. That's right. So this week we intended to come back and kind of do the second part of our season preview. And also we were going to talk a bit about Pats and Bulls as well. But then this morning... While we were planning the podcast, it being Tuesday morning, depending on what time of the week you're listening. Well, it's still Tuesday morning when we're recording. That doesn't change regardless of when you're listening. But anyway, we heard about the return of this man. McCourt. McCourt, amazing run here. And succeeding. Paddy McCourt. It's wonderful. It's absolutely brilliant. And that's why he's on the side. He might not have the pace. But he does have the footwork. Paddy McCourt is back in the SSE Airtricity League. We're going to talk more about that a little bit later on. Almost 10 years away. Really? Was it yeah, that long? Almost 10 it does years. Not seem 2008, like that the summer he went to Celtic. Those of you who follow Finn Harp slightly know Chris McNulty of the Donegal Sports Hub and a couple of other publications in Donegal. We'll get his read on this situation a little bit later on. And hopefully within the next week or so, we'll hear from McCourt himself. He wasn't available today, yeah, unfortunately. We, I, I was on to the yeah. Finn Harris press office. This is not a go with them, by the way. This is just clarifying no. that at some point we will speak to him. He wasn't available yeah. and that's they just that. They were very apologetic, very yeah. accommodating. And hopefully we'll have him in the next few days. They're a good lot of harps, aren't they? They certainly are. Even though last week I pretty much said that they were certain to go down. It, maybe they, they just didn't listen to it. Despite that, they actually retweeted the link for the first yeah. podcast, which I thought was pretty <laughs> sound. Uh, your support always appreciated. Thank uh, you, Finn Harps. We're not begging, but please, please retweet. We're also available on SoundCloud. Yeah, repeating, not begging. Uh, now, unlike last week, we do actually have a game to reflect on. Last Friday night, Cork City overcame Dundalk 3-0 in the President's Cup at Turner's Cross. However, it wasn't the game itself that proved the most interesting point in John Caulfield's post-match press conference. A former league winner with St. Pat's, Kenny Brown, has departed for Waterford. That was confirmed by Caulfield, who wasn't too happy with the player and the behaviour of his new club. They've been on to for the last two months non-stop every day. And it was affecting the squad and it was affecting you know, things in the club. And I suppose at the end of the day, you know, we need passionate players here. We need people who want to win. If you don't have a happy squad, you have no chance. So um, while I'm disappointed, Kenny was very good for me last year. Ultimately, his head was turned since Christmas and uh, he was just doing everything to get out. And sometimes you just have to make that decision and we've made that decision and move on. And, you know, as, as I said, it's... Um, you know, Benno's close to being back, Johnny's close to being back, and uh, but like to be fair to McCormack, like he goes in tonight, and all right, we were a bit unsettled for the first 15, 20 minutes, but after that, like he was, he ran the show and he, he covered and he blocked, and when you have players with hearts like that, you know, that's that's what you need over a long slog of the next eight months, and you have a chance of players like that, and that's the most important thing. No, obviously, he was on a two year contract, and but. That doesn't mean anything in the modern game now, and doesn't mean anything about people being contacted. And you know, obviously, you know, he was getting phone calls every second day to go back to them, and it had been it became a bit of a soap opera, really. But uh, absolutely, yeah, there was, there was a fee on the table, and um, the original fee they wouldn't agree to, and the second fee they didn't agree to, and it came down to a stalemate. And uh, but at the end of the day, I suppose when a player informs you, he doesn't want to play with the club anymore. You know, you're trying to you try to get it resolved, and you know, and and that was probably the most disappointing thing about it because we treated him really, really well here, and the fans liked him, and I was mad about him. But you know, it's, it, it is a nice fellow, so he doesn't want to play play for you. But at the end of the day, that's you deal with it, you move on, and you know, we we moved on, and you know, the players knew yesterday that was a situation. We just moved on, and uh, probably not going to be our player from tomorrow onwards. And you know, we need players out there that did what they did tonight and drive on for the rest of the season, and it's going to be a long, hard season, but. Uh, Players with passion and ability like we have there, you know, we'll be fine. Look, it's part of a situation where basically he was brilliant for me last year and great, you know, but you know, at the same time, he didn't want to be a part of a league challenge, he didn't want to play in Europe. And in fairness to him, he told me all those things. And, you know, it's, you know, sometimes fellas are shocked. Nothing shocks me nowadays. So John Caulfield's not overly happy there, but Dan, that's football, in it? It is football. Uh, Brown has seen that there is uh, a good project there. That's what people love, projects. 
and he's joined the likes of McAvoy and Puri and Waterford and as we said last week they are heavy heavy favourites and he's a local lad as well yes he is from Waterford and that's what a lot of people don't realise so there is no reason why he will go back to his home home club settle down back in Waterford plus and I want to clarify I don't know if he's getting more or less from Waterford but in any other walk of life if you were offered a better deal you'd walk away straight away of course you would except for this walk of life we're obviously dedicated to news talk and it would like we kiss the badge every time we do a good podcast kiss the microphone stand that's right. Ryle, if you're listening, call me. Now, just before that game, Dundalk announced the signing of Thomas Stewart, who worked under Stephen Kenny at Derry. Uh, former Shamrock Rovers forward Stewart has just come back from North America, where he featured for the Sacramento Republic and the Paul Dogleash coached Ottawa Fury. The third-year-old followed Dundalk's uh, progress through Europe last season, but he knows it's not the glamour of Europe that's the focus for now yeah no that'll, that'll be good when it, com- when it comes around obviously the main thing obviously for this team uh, I've been told already is to, to go after the league again so that's you know when the, when the time comes we'll, we'll cross that bridge when it comes for the other trophies there or, or the competition so um, but uh, certainly it's very exciting when, that, when you know you're going to be playing in, in that kind of competition yeah, did you want to come back to the League of Ireland, or what was your thinking yeah no um, my, my kind of thoughts were I wasn't sure at the end of the year it um, I, I wanted to reassess because I've been away for three years, um, and you're, you know, there's a lot of it takes its toll on your body in terms of like you're playing at altitude one week, you're in the sun, another week, and then you're traveling, you know, four or five hours in a flight, you know, and you're always in an airport. So I just wanted to come out of that, you know, to start, you know, when you're first there, it's it's kind of like it's amazing, you're you're buzzing to go to these places, but then you have to take a step back and say, you know, what's best for Thomas Stewart at that stage? So. Um, you know, I, I took my time to think about it, and this is the best thing for me. And while that audio was playing, Dan was slagging me, saying I will get into Warty at some stage. You will. Yeah, I'm well, sure. the jokes on you, Dan. I can get in there anytime I want by robbing my other half security card and just tagging it at the game. Nice. Get in that way. Anyway, Shamrock Rovers' final preseason game was a one-nil win over Cliftonville, but a, the day before, a mostly under-19 Rovers side lost one-nil to Thomastown in Kilkenny in the Leinster Senior Cup. How big a deal was it for the Kilkenny side? Well. We let the commentary of Kevin Regan from KCLR speak for itself. Fast to Desi Welsh. Welsh plays about the Conley. Conley with the shot. Oh! 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 Stephen Conley with the goal. Unbelievable scenes in United Park in Thomastown. Stephen Conley with an absolute wonder strike. If Thomastown hold on for this, this will be the most marvellous and unprecedented result ever in Kilkenny soccer history. So a big result for Thomastown. Now, not to burst any bubbles, but this was Stephen Bradley's reaction when speaking to Shamrock Rovers' website following their 1-0 win over Clifton, Cliftonville. He was also asked about the loss in Thomastown. Was, there was no point in me sending the team down there. We, we didn't know what the pitch was like. We didn't know what we were going to be playing against. Yeah. Uh, you go down there and I seen the pitch yesterday. You could very easy to walk by with injuries, you know, so... There was no chance we were going to send players down to play in that. It was a great experience for the 19s. Looking to win, obviously, we would have seen them playing a lot more games. But they got beat by a goal at the end. If that happens, it's move on. It's the end of it, you know. So, the dock in five days, first game of the season. We're ready? Yeah, I think so. I think if you look at us, uh, we're ready to go. We know what we're up against. The best team in the country, we know that. So, it's going to be... Go for us to see where we are, like you know, in terms of measuring ourselves against them and where we think we are and where we actually are. It's going to be good, but um, I don't fear going anywhere. Making excuses already, Stephen. The man <laughs> under pressure, isn't <laughs> following the cup exit to <laughs> Thomas In all seriousness, like uh, it, it does sound a little bit of sour grapes saying he sent down the under 19s. The record books will say it was Shamrock Rovers, it wasn't Shamrock Rovers under 19s. No one will remember this game. In a week's time, let alone in a few Well, they months will in time. Thomastown. Of course, sorry. it was yeah, a massive sorry. deal. No, in Thomastown they will. Yeah. In Tala they won't. It's uh, for non-League of Ireland teams, the Leinster Senior Cup is a brilliant chance to face teams in the league. But it's grand. They care about Dundalk. And I think Kevin captured the now. occasion nicely in his commentary Oh, very there. much so. It was massive. And he's, as he said, from what is basically a hurling yeah. county. What, uh, you, no, you say that, but football is I massive in Kilkenny. Basically. But should that saying it's a hurling like more. saying oh basically it's a hurling county that's saying it's a hurling county? It was a great day for Thomastown. No, 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 no. <laughs> You're wrong. Admit it. Football is huge in Kilkenny. Yeah. Just because Kilkenny City didn't survive, it doesn't mean they're not interested. True. Uh, and I actually, when I lived in Carlo, I helped a guy out with the football team, and they would have played a lot of Kilkenny teams, and I, yeah. I was actually shocked at how 
big football was in Kilkenny. We actually got down to Thomastown for one of the games. Um, this was, what, 13, 14 years ago. And even back then, the facilities were great. Even back then, Thomastown, there was an awful lot of uh, good footballing people there. You also have to bring this back to you, don't you? Now, let's get into some of the interviews. Uh, we're going to speak to Harry Kenny, Dave Robertson, Martin Russell, Shane Keegan and Pat Devlin. Also, we'll have more on Paddy McCourt signing for Finn Harps. But uh, you've been speaking I to have. Harry Kenny, the Bray manager. I've been speaking to uh, Bray this, uh, now compared to this time 12 months ago. They're a very different team. Kenny came in halfway through the season. And if you looked at the form, if you looked at the form league table from when Kenny came in, they were, if not the best, one of the best teams in the league. And I started by saying to him that the club are in a very different position now to where they were this time 12 months ago. Yeah, we've, we've uh, progressed over the years. Everyone knows about the run that we made in the second half of the season, which was very good. Um, the thing I'm trying to do at this moment in time is dampen down expectations um, because we've made a couple of good signings and it was really important. Our biggest sign was probably Dylan Connolly getting him to stay, stay around the place because everyone knows that the top clubs were very interested in him. So that was a, a key sign in my view. But yeah, the club has progressed nicely. Um, when I took over, we were bottom of the table. Obviously finished sixth. And the whole... Uh, between directors and the uh, board and all that sort of thing, they've made the club uh, really good and a uh, nice, nice place to work. You mentioned with Dylan Connolly, obviously you said a lot of teams were looking at him. Dundalk seemed to be reportedly heaviest with him. How crucial of a signing was he? And as you said, even though he was there, he's one of the best players in the league. You see him up on the posters here around the Aviva Stadium today. He could be one of the poster boys of the league and probably one of the most important players you will have this season. I'm hoping that he carries on the form that he left off with last season. Um, that's not a guarantee in anyone's book. Um, but he's shown a good attitude in pre-season. His appetite is very good. Um, he wants to do well. He wants to improve as a player, which I can see already in pre-season. He's came back in very good shape and uh, he was delighted to stay at Bray. He was happy there. His head was a little bit torn with all the speculation. Um, Understandably so for any player. Absolutely, over the last number of months. But um, he's a great lad. He wants to learn and uh, he, he wants to keep on improving. For the progress Bray have made on the pitch, there seems to be an equal amount made off the pitch that... Oh, we've seen these uh, development plans. All the clubs are coming out. Bray have seemed to got, have gotten their house in order certainly over the last few months, and things are looking up. Even if things don't improve on the pitch this season, the club seems to be in a very financial, uh, a very stable financial position. Yeah, everything is looking rosy off the pitch. They've done great things with the ground and upgrade and changing rooms. They've got into the community and try and get things going in the community. Try and get the, the local clubs like Greystones, Wayside, St. Joey's, all of them type of clubs back, back in and supporting Bray. Um, so that's good. They've done huge um, work off the pitch there in Bray. Is that a key for a club like Bray trying to have a sort of a line that youth team players, instead of going to places like Cabinteely now or Shamrock Rovers, places on the south side, UCD, that Bray is a very, it's very much an option for them. And with these links being there, you may be able to get some stars in the future that may not have previously looked at going to Bray without these links. Well, that's for sure. Like uh, Our link with St. Joseph's is very, very good. Um, Joey's are one of the best team, best clubs in the country and they produce some fantastic players. Only reading over the last uh, number of months with young lads playing with the junior international teams, Joey's have quite a number in, in those teams. So uh, they've lots of good players and if they don't go across to England, they certainly come through uh, our pathway, whether it's the 17s, 19s and please God into the first team. Finally, just looking at the season as a whole, have you any, when you look at aims of the season, have you a points total in mind? Have you a position in mind or is it a mixture of both that if you know if you get one, the other will probably come with it? Yeah, I've no real points total in mind. Um, as I keep saying to everyone, I just want to improve on last year, which was sixth. And if I improve on that, you know, you, hopefully you're getting close to Europe. And if we got a good cup run with that, it'd be fantastic. Finally, it's a weird one. We've heard Frank Gavin say about Slugger Rovers and Bray are now in the, I think it's the Scottish Challenge Cup. It's something different, but it's certainly it's it's another experience for the players. Yeah, it's it's great. Like uh, you know, the teams that finished fifth and sixth weren't ignored this year, and uh, it's a sort of a nice reward for what we did in the second half of the season. So I look forward to that t- tournament towards the end of the year. So overall, high hopes for the season. High hopes, but uh, let's keep the lid on the expectations. Yeah. Harry Kenny, the Bray manager. This is the SSE or Tristy Lee podcast on News Talk uh, tonight and off the ball. If you're listening to this on Tuesday. The League of Ireland slot returns.
And if you're not listening on Tuesday, it'll be podcasted. Exactly. Um, Harry Kenny there. They're yes. in the Scottish, Scottish Challenge, Challenge Cup. And not, Cup. not the League Cup, as some no. people reported. The Iron Brew Scottish Challenge yeah. Cup. At least with the League Cup, you might have got to play Celtic or Rangers. Yeah. The Challenge yeah. Cup, you get they to go to... They would have up until last season. Yeah. Uh, Rangers Well, listen, we'll get into a time machine yeah. and go back and... But uh, Eamon Donoghue, a friend of the podcast, who's been on last season speaking about Kenny Shields, sent me a picture when I said that Rovers were in it, of the Iron Brew Challenge Cup outside a shopping centre in some random Scottish town where Eamon's from. Apologies, Eamon, if you listen to this. I can't remember he's where He's not it from is. there. He's from Longford. That's not a random Scottish but town. living... Yeah, yeah there sure. We go. But uh, it's, it's just a weird idea to send two League of Ireland teams over. If uh, looking at how it uh, worked this season, yeah. uh, Brian Slug Rovers could be in this competition in August or September. Yeah. They're probably going to have oh. more important things to be worrying about. Maybe, but the way I'd look at it is, what harm is it? If it generates oh, a bit true. of extra revenue for both teams, then it's 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 no bad thing. Maybe they're doing it with something bigger in mind, and we will talk about that throughout the season. True, but looking at it, if you have to send uh, a League of Ireland team over to any Scottish uh, lower league team on a Tuesday night, that's not going to appeal to uh, managers. They're going to send over you teams. And then if you have a Falkirk or a Stenhouse-Muir or Berwick Rangers or any other random Scottish team coming to the showgrounds at the Carlisle Grounds on a random Tuesday or Wednesday night, does anyone really care? Right, you've been speaking to Sligo Rovers, Dave Robertson. I have been speaking to Dave Robertson. Now, it's the second season in uh, the League of Ireland. Uh, very poor start under... Uh, to last season at Sligo Rovers the team improved as the season went along this and is pretty much the same intro as Bray isn't it poor start good finish it is but I did ask a different first question to Dave because I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a professional like that Oshin. sure basically I started by asking Dave what he learned about the league in his first year here in Ireland yeah yeah definitely and you know we'll always be honest uh, honest to ourselves and um, the bottom line is you know, our, our return of points in the second and third round of games was was top four form, but in the first round of games it wasn't. So ultimately, we, you know, I mean, we we suffered our final position because of how we started the season, and you know, you can't hide from that. But there was a real, uh, there was a reason for that. There was three players and no staff when I took over the football club. So, um, you know, we've come past that stage of the rebuilding uh, of the project. So. Yeah, we do feel, and we have discussed it as a group, that um, that we want to start. We want to start strongly. Um, we want to get going as soon as we possibly can in terms of our points return. And you know, we, we've set our overall target. We want to improve on the 49 points. Um, and as soon as we get to 50, then we'll be competing at the right end of the table. And then, as a, uh, as a squad, then we can sit down and reevaluate where we're at and uh, and see where we feel we can take the season. Is that the aim for the season? Instead of looking at specific positions, you're looking at more so points. And if the points come, then you feel the positions of the improvement in the legal camp. Yeah, definitely. You know, and I think that's, um, I think that's important. It is a the classic, the chicken and egg scenario, but um, it gives us something, something objective as a group that um, that we can kind of track and see and see where we're at. The other thing that we've got is we've got where we were. You know. 12 months earlier so we can analyse ourselves against that we've now got some good data which um, which will help us out but you know you can have as much data as you want but the bottom line is you know the players here have um, have really got a bit between their teeth and they want and they want to improve and, and they want to progress and they want to be successful for the club so um, if you have those ingredients then um, then you know it will bode well for us but we have to maintain that that hunger, that desire, that fight, that drive and determination to, to want to improve on last year. People like Michal Schlingham and Karen Sadler signed contract extensions last year, make, making it easier for you this year to go out and find players. How easy has it been knowing that compared to when you came in last year, as you said, there was only three players, there was a good nucleus of a team there for the start of this preseason, and then you just brought in players bit by bit? Yeah, we'd signed 14, 14 of, our, of our squad from, from last year, so... We had the nucleus and we got some, as you identified there, some some really talented, some really experienced players. Um, players like Raf, John Russell, Kieran Sadlier, Danny Cairns, Mimo Slingerman, Craig Rodden. You know, we've got some, some really exceptional players in there. So to have that to build on is, uh, you know what I mean, was brilliant. But more importantly for the players is they have a structured off-season programme. Um, they have a window of opportunity to develop themselves in terms of their strength and power work. 
uh, which they've done and they've come back in great form. So when I look at where we're at, we're a million miles away from where we were this time last year. So um, that's pleasing and that's the bit that will give you, um, that will give me a little bit of a boost when you look back on that, you know, but on the same token, we can't rest on our laurels. We, we have to make sure that we go out and make it happen. We can't just expect it to happen. Finally, just looking ahead to the first game of the season, Limerick away, first division champions in front of a raucous home crowd. When the fixtures come out, you probably could have asked for an easier fixture. It'll be a tough one with Limerick looking to bounce back immediately after dominating last year in the first division. Well, there's no easy games this year. I think that's the that's the um, that's the bottom line. But you know, Limerick will be in buoyant mood, having coming back off of the season that they had last year. Which you know, credit to Martin Russell and all of the team. They had a magnificent season. Improving our away form last year is something that that we want to do. So there's no better time than. Um, than the opening game of the season because it was only two teams that beat us at the showgrounds in 2016. And that was Dave Robertson of Sligo Rovers. So yeah, Martin Russell, Limerick. Uh, they're going from a position where they were by far the best team in the league yeah. to a position where they're not the best team in the league and they're probably not in the top five or six best teams in the league. It's their first full season in Markets Field. They came in two seasons ago into what remains the, maybe the spiritual home of Limerick football but they were too far behind in the Premier Division and they were too far behind and I've just lost the run of uh, train of thought of myself they were too far behind yep and we're leaving all of that in by the way go on <laughs> <laughs> and they just didn't have enough time and enough games to make up the deficit but when they moved into uh, Marketsfield they were in excellent form for the second half of the 2015 season so I started by asking Martin Russell how the team were going to cope from being far, from being by far the best team last year to being not one of the better teams this season. Okay, that was the most needlessly long link we've ever had. Uh, folks, you're lucky you get to listen to Martin Russell. While that's playing, I have to listen to Dan telling me about his favourite humming noise. Listen, there's no doubt about it. There's, there's um, a different level in the, in the Premier Division and uh, the challenge is there for us to step up to it. Um, it's probably the most competitive Premier Division right through that has been and but we, we're, we're going into it with confidence and, and, and looking forward to and importantly relishing the challenges and see where it takes us so a lot of tough games every week but games we feel we can do well in and um, we are looking forward to it Two seasons ago there was issues with getting into Markets Field you get in halfway through the season and when you get into Markets Field the, uh, the the performances of the team were absolutely outstanding. Yeah. This year, you're there from you're there from day mm. one. How big of a difference will that make? Especially, you're starting off first night of the season, Sligo over, so you're going to be there the mar- the, from opening day. The Marcus Hill was was a massive step forward for the club. Um, it was the, back into the spiritual home. So we you had supporters old bringing the new generation with them, creating an atmosphere. Pitch was top class. Allowed you to play football. Um, so for me, it was, it was a giant step. Um, we also we, it, was, it coincided with probably strength in the squad at that time, and um, I think it's good. Like we're back in there now. We believe we've got a squad that can compete um, and can ultimately take a step forward. And it's, it's taking those step forward for um, for the club in the right direction on and off the field. That's going to make it stronger. And um, listen, we know it's going to be tough, but. Um, I think with the group, the main thing is that we're going to have a go at it and, and, and learn this year and continue the progress. Speaking to some managers here, some of them are saying they want a, uh, to hit a specific points tally. Some are saying they want to hit a specific position. Going into the season, what's Limerick's objective? I don't really, I, I'm not one that looks probably too far ahead. I just want us to start well against Sligo. Our first three games, for example, Sligo home, Deddy and Dundalk uh, away after. So they're the ones I'm going to focus on to get, get us a start. And you know, whatever our football takes us at the end, it'll be it'll be what we do with each step along the way. I don't think we can look too far ahead. I think we've got to hit the ground running if we can, and be competitive all the way through. Will those three games set the tone for the season? Because even in Limerick, in any town in the country, sports fans are fickle. Yeah. You know, they will come out and they'll support a winning team, or if a team is doing well. So if Limerick don't have the start that you hope for, do you think that may uh, play in the minds of players for the rest of the season? I th- I'd like to think that the, the, the supporters um, have have the similar. Um, outlook that I would have that w- w- it's a new challenge it's a big challenge we need to keep at it even when things are going against us and if we keep on doing the right things eventually you know we'll get the success um, that, that that we deserve I mean last year we got the success because we were the best resort 
team in the league. We're not the best resource team this year, but we're in there with a fighting chance of doing well. And um, with that comes ups and downs, and we've got to stick at it. At, uh, at UCD, you prided yourself in playing on the ground, playing nice, attractive football. Same in the yeah. same season, being at Limerick. When you're going in as a newly promoted team, is there is there a, a sort of an idea of maybe playing more direct to try and get points on the board early, or do you plan to sort of stick to your stick to your beliefs? I think the, the players that we've signed and, and, and the way we want to play will be quite similar. Um, we want to play attack on football, expansive to a point, and, and, and when people come down to, to Marcus Field or when they see us away, they, they see a, a team trying to win games playing football. Um, not going to be easy. But at times, say yes, you you might. There's, there's different ways to win games, and you've got to maximise all different opportunities. Um, but by and large, um, trying to play attack and football, and with the group that we have, I think it's it's playing to their strengths. We've got some good footballers in the team, so we'll try and do it that way. And and if we're not doing it well enough, then we'll try and learn why not and 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 improve. This is News Talk's SSE Electricity League podcast, and that was Martin Russell. By the way, if you want to get in contact with us. You can get Dan on Twitter via... Uh, it's Mr. Daniel. You'd think you'd know that by now. And you can get me on at Oshin Langan. Limerick could have a say in this league. They could have a say. They will certainly be a match for any team, as we heard there from Russell. They are going to stay uh, true to their true to their methods that have worked so far uh, under Russell. They play lovely attacking football. He did the same at UCD. They're just a nice passing team. And he feels there's no reason for that to change this season now give it a few weeks and there's a few poor results and then that may change but they're playing uh, Friday night in Marketsfield against Sligo Rovers and if Limerick get a good start against Sligo Rovers it could uh, point to a successful season for them get the crowd behind them straight away and we may see the attendances rolling in to Limerick this year it's funny you mentioned UCD their colleague O'Neill their manager has said that they'll play an under 19 team in their first game against Cabin Teeley because they're playing Collingwood, Collingwood Cup all this week, and that's yeah. that's like the big tournament for that's UCD. The, that's like that's the Fitzgibbon Cup. Cup or the Sigerson Cup yeah. of, of football. You know that you're hurling man, Colin. Yeah, the Fitzgibbon Cup is also this weekend. But anyway, Fitzgibbon before the Sigerson. Pat Devlin, who has been involved in UCD up to this year, yes. said, "I know Collie is telling lies." I was I was listening to uh, another podcast, and uh, I heard Devlin say to that another podcast. Yeah, I was listening to the ninety-eight FM League of Ireland podcast. They say they're the best podcast. You know. Yeah. And they're probably right. Right, Shane Keegan is the Galway United manager. He was at Wexford Youths last season. Very unlucky not to keep them up. They went down losing the playoff to Drogheda. I asked him how he's settling in in Galway. Good, settling in well. Uh, good spot over there, living in Ardmore just outside the city, which is, is perfect. You're away from the, the traffic. Traffic is nearly as bad in, as in Dublin and Galway at times, so it is. Um, so, yeah, just out away from that. Um, but still only a stone's throw into both the training ground and the match day venue and the whole lot. Um, so, yeah, happy out. Complaining about traffic, you're already a true Galway man. Um, it's a great club in a sense that it, it owns the town. It's the only League of Ireland club in town. There's potentially a huge support. There's a great stadium. It's about putting it together. How have you found that process? You've been there a couple of months. You've been there pretty much since the end of the last season. Yeah, yeah, pretty much is right. Um, look, people people think the uh, the off season is when when managers get a break. It's it's far from it. It's the off season is ten times busier than the actual season itself. Um, so no, look, I think we've put together a decent squad. Look, you're right. Um, look, I think every city in in Ireland really has a, a tendency to be a little bit bandwagon, and and if the results come, people will jump on board very very quickly. If we can get off to a great start, I mean, we're hoping to get we got you know two two and a half thousand in for the opening day of the season and then if you're able to get a few results put a few results together and keep that and build on that god knows he could have aim a decent player park absolutely rocking all going well you know i'll name two players but i could name several greg cunningham and daryl horgan both from galway both came out of galway both made by the galway system and there are many more that's an advantage is it something that you can take advantage of though the, the system that they have Definitely. Well, the big one, the big one for us at the moment, even more so probably than the two lads, nearly has been Ryan Manning um, yeah. at QPR, who's just yeah. absolutely had an unbelievable January. And there is, there's, there's real buzz amongst yeah. kids around the place. I mean, the club have been doing an initiative over the last month where, um, between myself and Johnny Glynn, we've endeavoured to to pay a club visit to every school by club in the Galway League. And we've got about three quarters of them done at this stage. Um, but it's been brilliant. You're out and about, and you're meeting the local club chairman, you're meeting all the kids and all that kind of crack. And there is, there's a real, real buzz about soccer in Galway at the moment because yeah. of Greg, because of Darrell, because of uh, Ryan Manning. Um, so yeah, we need to try and capitalise on that. When I say they've been produced, what I mean is they've been produced by kind of Galway as a footballing entity. I couldn't even tell you what clubs they came through. I know that Merview have been involved, obviously a former League of Ireland club. Um, but the fact that, that Galway does have that kind of player, have you been able to take immediate advantage regards getting players or 
does it take a while or how does it work? Yeah, look, our, I suppose looking at our underage system, it's been a little bit different in Galway than it has been elsewhere. I mean, everybody else, when the 19s league came into action, obviously the senior club was the 19s league, was the 19s club as well. That wasn't the case with Galway. It was Galway were the senior club in Salt Hill and Morview had the 19s entities. And then it became we had the 19s and they had the 17s entities. Whereas this will be the first ever season that from 15s, once the 15s comes in in September, from 15s all the way to the top is all going to be under the banner of Galway United. And we have it from top to toe. So we brought Johnny Glynn in on board who was, who was working with me at first team level but also overseeing that whole underage setup. Um, the 19s last year got to the national final so there's there's I would say if you look at the makeup of squads in the league I would say our proportion of players who've stepped through from last year's 19s is probably the highest in the entire league um, we've seven in total who've progressed through from last year's 19s so we're, we're looking for the, the underage side of things to bear immediate fruit all going well and it makes sense that that should be the future for League of Ireland clubs and I guess you've got a taste of that from your time at Wexford Youths where you weren't just in charge of the first team you were in charge of the Wexford Youths entity that's it and that's that's why the role we've got with the likes of Johnny Glynn is ideal because he's an app you know you've got a really solid link there between what's going on at underage level and that first team level um, and look as you said it is a bit of an advantage obviously to us that if you're over in Dublin you've got what six seven clubs battling for the best young talent you know we are kind of we should be able to hoover up the best young talent in Galway and you're even looking at Mayo where ourselves and Sligo are probably fighting over the best yeah. of the young players in Mayo who can drag them in that direction but no look there's there's a real real pathway for young talent in Galway through to the first team and uh, I'd like to think that I've shown at, at Wexford that if they're good enough um, the likes of young Ryan Delaney who, who obviously went across the Burton and is now back at Cork City will be playing against us in a couple of weeks time that if, if they're good enough I've no problem throwing them in at a very very young age you know. Traditionally in Ireland it's been a case of sports competing against each other or people seeing it that way I don't think that's the case especially in Galway I, mean, I listen to a lot of Galway Bay FM it's a top class station for sport and no doubt you're getting to know the lads they're good lads and it seems to be that they all kind of complement each other. The hurling complements, the rugby, the football complements, the hurling, yeah, there's divides, etc. That happens in every sport. But there seems to be room for everyone and they all seem to be happy that they can coexist in that space. Yeah, well, look, it's, it's, I suppose it's been interesting travelling up in the car even today um, with, with Mike here, who's, who's in, involved with the club, and, and Colm, who's been up, uh, Colm, our captain, who's been up a bit earlier, having chats about a couple of things like that. You know, Mike was talking about how there are an awful lot of Galway United season ticket holders who are kind of rugby season yeah. ticket holders, you know, and, and that it's, it's, you know, it is very, very uh, doable to balance both sports. Obviously, I have a strong enough following for the GEA myself as well. She'll be looking at that side of it as well. Um, Colm actually commented in the car on the way up as well about how uh, they had a, a, a chat with um, Pat Lamb during last season under Tommy Dunn's reign and Colin was just talking about what a, you know, what a great guy he was and I wonder could we tap into him again before he heads off for Bristol and things yeah. like that so there are, there's, look there's, it's, it's a big sporting city um, you know Galway hurlers obviously footballers right maybe aren't pulling up trees at the moment but you've, you've got uh, the rugby and the, the hurling is, is very very strong and you know we're looking to try and, 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 and reach the levels that they're operating at you know Just before I let you go Shane I know it's um it's an open-ended question, maybe a silly question, but I'm going to ask every manager, so don't feel alone in this. What would be a good 2017 for you and Galway United? Yeah, look, uh, first things first, you're always looking for progression, both in, on two fronts, I suppose. One, in terms of league position. Um, so the club finished in ninth last year. Therefore, you know, I, as any manager should think, every manager probably thinks they're capable of, of, of finishing maybe two or three places above where budget would dictate that you'd finish, draw up the league table based on budget, and ninth is probably about right for it. So so therefore, we're you know, can we go get seventh? Can we possibly even aim for sixth? The big thing with the relegation, the new relegation structures, is the first round of games is all about trying to get away from that relegation zone. If you can get away from that relegation zone over the first round of games and detach yourself from that and take the pressure of that away, then the sky's the limit as to where you could drive on and try and finish. This. So look, round one, can we get away from those those bottom three spots? If we can do that from there on, then yeah, look, could we go and, and and try and hit a decent maybe top half of the table finish? A different manager in charge, obviously. But did you look at last year? Maybe talk to some of the guys who were around for last year because Galway had a decent enough start there was talk of Europe and then they just kind of faded away did enough to stay out of relegation trouble but this season you'd be sucked into the relegation battle if the season ended the way it did last year absolutely and that's what I'm saying it's just so imperative you know if you can if you can get away from that it kind of it takes the pressure off and allows lads to really really yeah. go and flourish but that's easier said than done you've got a you've got a, an awful awful yeah. lot of clubs who will feel not entitled to finish in the top half of the table did you talk to the lads about that the lads who were there last year yeah I did I did um, and you know I kind of spoke to a few of them why did that happen you know what went wrong yeah. what can we do a little bit differently and there was various different suggestions coming back on it as to how to try and keep it fresh as the season progresses and all that kind of thing but you know there is a big element of of 
you know, players themselves needing to, to dig deep and be able to turn things around when things are going wrong. We had an example of it last night. We, we, we played Limerick last night. We were 1-0 down at, at half-time. Um, we had a chat about at the half-time how, right, let's see when things haven't gone your way. Have you got it within you to, to turn the, to turn yourselves around and be able to dig deep and get a bit more out of it? They went out to one the second half to one. Right, that looks a positive. That gives you a sign that, yeah, we do seem to have some battlers in there that are able to turn it around when they isn't going right from them from the first moment. So that was a good positive sign as well, you know. Thank you very much. No problem. Yeah, they're one of those weird teams that we don't yeah. know if they're going to be involved in the battle for Europe or the battle against relegation. Yes. But Keegan, in the dealings we've had with him, is a very likable person, very yeah. approachable, one of the nicest managers in the league. And he's taken a risk here by going to go out because managers have gone and managers have failed in trying to get them where the club and the fans maybe think they should be. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see if Keegan can move them up the table this year. Well, they've had a couple of years of stability. Yes. Which is a good thing. Oh, it certainly is. Like, they would have been yeah. one of the yo-yo teams and now they're by far one of the uh, sort of the first names on the list when you look at the Premier Division teams. OK, uh, let's talk about Cabin Teeley. Yes, Cabin Teeley are back for a third season, which yeah. is, in fairness to them, probably two seasons more than Manny thought they would have been. When Cabin Teeley came into the first division, they were seeing who the hell are Cabin Teeley, why are Cabin Teeley here? But they're doing things their own way. They've brought in, uh, they've brought in some better players this year. Uh, more recognised players in the League of Ireland with the likes of yeah. Kieran Marty Waters and a former Irish international Jason Byrne. And a recognised MC for their launch night the other night. Really? You know who did it? Who? One Nicky Byrne. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nicky Byrne. I did not know that. He's one of the Westlife guys who isn't from Sligo, right? Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, basically the worst the worst guy in Westlife. Oh. Yeah, he's not from Sligo. So. You could argue though he's had the best post-Westlife career. Uh, you certainly could. He's doing very well for himself on... Station that shall not be named. Two FM. Yeah, or you can say it. Can you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. But he's doing very well there, and and uh, he's presenting Dancing with the Stars. Yeah, he is. What happened with you? That contract, the the terms just weren't making it. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, and the one with Des Cal instead. Yep. Maybe next year, we can see a Paso Doble down the down the corridors here of News Talk, and you can give us a you can give us a little twirl. What does it say about Ireland, by the way? That. Talia Heffernan was voted out either first or second. I don't know who that is. So I don't watch people, it. I know she's a model. Des, I know Des so Cahill's people would rather watch Des Cahill dance than Talia Heffernan. What does that say about Ireland? It says that people like to be entertained. Okay. So yeah, Kevin Tilly. Uh, let's get to Pat Devlin. Yes, you, we mentioned a few minutes ago that Pat Devlin was at UCD, but he's now back in a more direct role. Uh, in the league around with Kevin Tilly, and I asked him what enticed him to moving to the South Dublin club this year. You mean the other South Dublin club? Well, they are a South Dublin club. Yeah, but you said the South Dublin club like they were the only one in the League of Ireland. But they are a South Dublin club this year. It yeah. made sense. Well, you need to clarify Just that. Play the interview. Okay. Well, I went in and on the 24th of December and it was a blank sheet of paper, really, and, and, and grabbed the body scrub of the neck. And look, it's early days. It's, it's hard to say, but we've got a few very good young players, a few very experienced players, and there's a mixed bag there after that. So, um, you know... When we're finished, I'm sure we'll have a, a very decent side and uh, we're sure we'll give it a go. How are you finding being back in the league? Well, you know, having been out of the league, I, I, I took a different role in UCD and I had a magnificent time with magnificent people and uh, it was a different experience. And, uh, you know, this is a challenge for me and it's a, probably a bigger challenge than I've ever taken on before and it's different. So, uh, yeah, it's, it, I'm looking forward to it. We've seen uh, Cabin Healy in recent years have always gone with the youth option. This year you've brought in Kerry Marty Waters, you've brought in an Irish international, Jason Byrne. How important will, the, will that duo be in trying to get Cabin Tilly up the table this year? Well, it's all part of the formula. You know, it, it, it's too early yet. Dara Doyle's another very experienced player I brought in. Um, it's a mixed bag, and when I settle them down and we get moving, I, I think we'll be fine. Some very talented younger players there as well, and they were a little bit isolated last year. So in training, in, in day-to-day work, you know, we're only part-timers, so the experienced players will, will actually, you know, put manners on them, put a discipline and show them the way, and I think that's going to be very important. How long ago did you and Jason work together at Bray? About? Uh, I remember the first time we signed Jason. We signed him from a, a team in St. Colum Kills in Tala, and uh, look, it's sure it's been a great adventure. And if we can help and get a few more goals this year, you might catch Brendan Bradley's record. But look, it's serious business. It's all about results. Yeah. And with that, I don't want to talk specifically about Jason, but when you have such a respected player in the dressing room, 
uh, basically from the social management structure it's better to have a lieutenant in front of you that you know this fellow will have certain standards and he'll rise everyone up with him to those standards yeah it's keeping him fit getting him out there all the time and, and you know allied him with Dara Dara will be our captain so yeah th- th- that will happen and it will we'll, we'll create a, a good spirit and a lot of camaraderie in the team but above all they've got to learn from him and uh, but we'll be very strict and very disciplined and we're trying to raise the bar as far as being professional and uh, what it means to be professional so that that's tough on and off the park so that that's the biggest challenge Cabin Tilly itself is a brilliant story if you walk around South Dublin in any areas you'll see children adults everyone in Cabin Tilly tracksuits it seems to be a club that have ensconced themselves in the community even though they're in Cabin Tilly the games are played in Black Rock it seems to be sort of a Dunleary right down club well I'm born and raised Dunleary and uh, I suppose um Dunleary was a hotbed of soccer many years ago, 30, 40 years ago. And um, it was always my ambition to see a team from, from Dunleary getting into the League of Ireland. Uh, and I think, in fairness to Cabin Healy, they, they've taken on this challenge. But if, if they can wake up the people of the borough of Dunleary and get a, a nice little stadium maybe for the future and a proper academy set up, uh, the world is their oyster. Uh, what we're doing now is it, it's very difficult. It, it's trying to build it up, get the foundations in. But if, if we can do that and if we can get the people of Dunleary to, to come out and support it, wow, you know, even, even in Cambodia itself, we have 2,000 members. Uh, if they can just come out alone, uh, this thing can take off. But, you know, football's all about one thing, results. <laughs> and if we have to get the results. Now you mentioned results. What is the end for the season, can I ask? Well, any team I've ever ran, whether it be a schoolboy team or uh, an intermediate team or a senior team, my intention is to win the league. You're listening to News Talk's SSE or Tricy League podcast and there was Pat Devlin. And Oshin Devlin seems to be stepping on his former employer's toes. He's saying he wants Captain Teeley to be the team of Dunleary Rattown. Is he really stepping on anyone's toes there? Because UCD, the obvious criticism and the go-to criticism of them is, you know, what do they bring? They don't bring mm-hmm. a fan base. But because they're different to other clubs, I don't think they have to do that yeah. to justify their existence. They're one of the feeder clubs. They have they have their place in the League of Ireland hierarchy. Exactly. And, and it's they, a very valuable They place. are providing something that a lot of clubs don't provide to guys, yes. and that's the route to football and an education. An education yes. Now, that's not the role of other clubs, but I'm just saying it is UCD's role, and that's what they're doing, and like why heard, not? We heard Gary Rogers on the side of the panel on Off the Ball last week speaking about his education. He's only now doing a Masters, and I don't know his exact age, but he's certainly in his mid-30s. Yeah. I don't know if he had a third-level education before this, but he seems to be delighted what he's doing with the help of the PFAI. UCD have their place there. They're giving these teenagers and young adults who have a potential career in football yeah. a ba- uh, something to fall back on. Exactly. Um, interesting thoughts there from Devlin, though, on the whole we're trying to get a grip hold in Dunleary, yes. Ratdown, South Dublin. I have two questions. One, why don't you just call the club Dunleary Rat Down if that's the mm-hmm. case? And two, are they not kind of in on Bray's territory? Would you not already be following Bray if you wanted to follow League of Ireland or were from that part of the world? Well, I I live a ten minute walk from their ground in Black from Cabin ground. Yes, from okay. well, from not from their actual HQ for the for the U teams, but from Stradbrook, the home okay. of Black Rock College Rugby Club, and that's where they've played the last two seasons. They need to get a one permanent base. If they can get the League of Ireland team and the youth teams to play in the one place, it will be far better for them. There may be a little niche market there. Like They're not going to be the biggest team in Dublin to have UCD and uh, Shamrock Rovers and St. Pat's all on the south side. And they have Bray directly below them. They may think they have a little niche there. Devlin is an intelligent man. He knows what he's doing. He wouldn't have gone in to Cabin Teeley if he didn't think there was a chance. But one thing I will say about Cabin Teeley, it'll be interesting to see if Jason Byrne goes on to break the League of Ireland record. Or Nicky Byrne. Nicky Byrne either. If they could get him to play yeah. as well as MC. He's available for christenings and bar mitzvahs apparently. So that's Cabin Teeley. But what about Finn Harps? And yes, we did speak to Ollie Horgan last week. But as we said at the start of this podcast, and as no doubt you've seen, 33-year-old Paddy McCourt is back in the League of Ireland. He has signed for Finn Harps. Chris McNulty of the Donegal Sports Hub and a couple of other publications in Donegal joins us. Chris, um, what's your reaction to this? Are you, are you excited? What's the feeling? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, it is a really, really exciting sign. And I've seen, um, I, I think, you know, I've been 
25, 26 years watching Finn Harpson, and easily in my time, this is the most, the biggest signing they've, you know, they've ever made. I mean, go back to last summer, and um, but for his own personal circumstances, he would have been on the plane with Northern Ireland to the Euro 2016. So, you know, I know he's kind of known as a former international, but for his personal circumstances and, and that unfortunate thing, like he, he would probably be a current Northern Ireland international. 118 caps. I mean, uh, you know, what, just watching clips this morning, some of the goals that he scored for Celtic and, and that ability to excite players. I think it's 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 a great lift on the eve of the new season, Oshin, um, to, to be bringing a player like Paddy McCourt. I mean, looking back through Harps' history, um, I see this morning a, a fellow sports journalist in Donegal, Harry Walsh, who played for Fan Harps, um, says he, in his mind it's the biggest um, the biggest signing since Mick Channon um, signed in the mid to late 80s. Um, for Harps, but he had a very, very short um, reign. But you know, this one—it's—it's—it's it's, it's a season-long, um, long deal, and it's really, really exciting for for Harps fans. McShannon, who's gone on to be a very successful trainer of horses, a former Manchester City and England striker, if memory serves. Does this change Finn Harps' approach to the season? Do they all of a sudden become a footballing team? I don't think so. I mean, you know, I suppose we all know Paddy McCord as, as the winger who played for Celtic and stuff, but he, he played for Harps against Kevin Teeley on, uh, on Saturday and, and by all accounts he played most of his role sort of in, in the number 10, the, 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 that sort of number 10 position. So he's probably going to play that more central role. I, I don't think we're all of a sudden going to see a sea change from Ollie Horgan and, and Harps are going to start playing this sort of fast, you know, free-flowing attack in football. It's, it's not in Ollie's locker. It's, it's not in his nature to do that. But I think what Paddy does give him is, is that option, you know, during games. I mean, obviously, Paddy McCourt's going to play for Harps. You know, they, they haven't signed Paddy to, to, to sit on the bench and be, be a second-string player. He is going to be one of, their, one of their main guys. But all of a sudden, no, look, we're, we're not going to see a big change in tactic. But again, what it does give, it gives Ollie option and it gives Ollie an absolutely quality option Um you know, his, his attack's looking pretty strong at the minute. Danny Morrissey has signed from Cork and, and Kieran O'Connor alone until until the summer transfer window from Dundalk. So all of a sudden, look, we, we won't see a big change in the approach of Harps, but um, what we certainly have is, is a Harps attack that's all of a sudden looking looking a lot stronger than it had been a, a few weeks ago anyway. Chris, since Paddy came back last summer from Luton, he had a spell in the Irish League with Glenavon and also had a, he was also training with Dundalk. Do we know why he's gone with Finn Harps uh, were there any other teams in for him and I assume uh, the location to Derry would have been a big would have been a big plus for him, uh, would have been a big plus for him but why did he pick Finn Harps do you know well, I think the Derry thing um, from he came back last summer and, and it was apparent that he was going to play somewhere locally be it the League of Ireland or the Irish League um, Kenny Shields and Derry said he didn't sort of really seemed to take him on at all. I know the Derry supporters were craving for him and, and, and still were up up until his confirmation with Harps um, this morning. But Kenny Shields just didn't seem to be, I don't know, a fan of Paddy McCourt, but I remember he did an interview last year where he said it was maybe going against the grain of what he had been trying to instill at Derry with the young players coming in and stuff and maybe felt that bringing the likes of Paddy McCourt in would be holding back that work he was doing. For Paddy himself, he, he did train with Dundalk, but he has since said that, that he's living actually in Donegal at the minute, um, living quite near Stephen Kenny down in the Fawn area of Inishowen. Um Stephen, of course, knew him pretty well from Derry. So I, I think that, that thing where he trained with Dundalk and he went out to their tra- training camp out in Spain was a was a kind of a mate's favour, I think, by Stephen Kenny more so than actually maybe a, a, a pro- proposition or a proposal to sign him. The location thing's the obvious um Again, given you know his his wife had had an illness and 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 is sort of in an ongoing battle with that. He he wants to be close to home. He wants to play Premier Division football. And really, when the Irish League thing didn't sort of come to pass or, or didn't work out for him, and Derry weren't in the market, Harps were the next natural fix. I suppose Sligo Rovers could have been, but that journey from Fawn to Sligo would have been considerably longer than the than the journey, you know, 20 minutes, half an hour to Balabafay. So it, it's, it's a good fit for everyone um, at the moment. Yeah, the, that was going to be my next question with the likes of Slug Rovers and Galway United, who, if we are to believe how the teams will line out this season, may may well finish ahead of Finn Harps. Do you think that those two teams, and even t- uh, teams of a higher quality than Glenavon in the Irish League, have missed out here on a on a potential gem? I think they have, and I suppose first and foremost, like another benefit to Harps is, is it's going to put bums on seats um, because like there, there, there's an obvious attraction with a player like Paddy McCourt uh, and a player of international standards signing for Finn Harps. And it has generated a lot of excitement since, since the news broke 
last week that he had trained with the club and, and that he was on the verge of signing. You know, there's a lot of people talking about Paddy McCourt that maybe ordinarily wouldn't be talking about Van Harps. Um, so there's that obvious thing, and like we all know Paddy's ability, and, and he's maybe at times a frustrating player because, you know, he, he's not maybe for 90 minutes giving us that, but those pieces of magic um, that, that he can conjure up is definitely something. You know, whatever about teams missing out on him, it's certainly going to be. It's a real blue chip signing for Harps, and it's a, a real, I think, statement of intent. You know, because Harps and the bookies are are odds on favourites to be relegated. Um, but this is a sort of message that you know Harps aren't going to go down without a fight, and it's a real, uh, I think, message to the Harps supporters that they're really, really seriously trying to be a Premier Division club and trying to stay a Premier Division club. And a, a signing like this. I think does send out a message, not just to other teams in the Premier Division, but it sends out a message to maybe people within their own club who are maybe doubting the approach and sort of thinking, you know, are we going to be happy to get relegated and be one of the three teams and say, Aris, you're luck, you know, you give it a good fight, but, you know, ultimately, we, you know, we weren't good enough. This is now a message to say that, no, look, Van Harps are seriously going to try and try and beat the drop. It obviously got a bit harder with the three teams confirmed as being relegated, but... Um, you know, a fellow like Paddy McCourt is, is, is going to give them obvious benefits. Paddy, do you think they have? Sorry, Chris, do you think they have any chance of staying up? I do, and you know, I, I'm not going to make a bold prediction. And say, you know, just the addition of Paddy McCourt is going to give Harps a chance of staying up. Um, like they have the obvious battles, and I suppose that's another thing on the Paddy McCourt one was was the budget. I mean, because a player like Paddy McCourt obviously doesn't come cheap, but player and club were were willing to sort of come to an agreement in that and. You know, Harp's budget is dwarfed by everyone else in the Premier Division, including those who have come up. But Ollie is a pretty astute manager. He's made some very, very good signings. He's he's retained most of last year's squad. Um, I suppose a couple of guys that have gone that maybe supporters are disappointed to lose. But the additions he's made, they're pretty good. Their first 11, maybe, say, first 13 players, 14 players, they're, they will be competitive to a point. And I suppose it's just a matter now of hoping that Injuries and suspensions don't start mounting up, and that they can get enough points on the board that they don't get caught adrift. Because an Ollie Horgan managed team that is there or thereabouts towards the end of the season, I think will do enough to survive. It's probably disappointing that the playoff scenario has gone yeah. because I think the playoff scenario would suit a team like Harps. You know, even if you were finishing say third bottom, give it a go in a playoff. A team like Harps is always going to have that chance of of being successful in a playoff, but. The odds are stacked against them. Um, but Ollie preaches work, hard work. It's, it's his mantra that he lives by. He preaches it to his players. Anyone that's in that dressing room will give 100% for Ollie. Paul Higgerty's beside him as well. and People know Paul as a real sort of hard work guy yeah. as well. And, you know, they'll give everything for the cause. They certainly won't go down without a fight. You know, you're, if, you, if you're putting money on teams to be relegated. Of course, Harps are going to be the favourites, yeah. but to, to me, they're in with a chance. Are they um, in with a the chance not only because of McCourt, but other signings as well that you've already mentioned, the likes of Danny Morrissey and Kieran O'Connor, but maybe as well, the hero of the playoff, BJ Banda, who we didn't see a whole pile of last year. Now, we, no, now he's, quite, he's quite young, so there's a good chance we'll see more this year. He'll have developed. Yeah, I, I think it, that goal in the playoff, as, as silly as this may sound, Hushin, it was almost the worst thing happened to BJ Banda and because it elevated him way, way above and, and beyond sort of where people, what people maybe should have expected of a, of a guy who was just a school kid and he was all of a sudden the rabbit in the headlights and every single media outlet, everybody knew who BJ Banda was. And I think it sort of, it did stunt his progress, you know, because he was all of a sudden gone from an unknown who was signed for the under-19s on the back of a good foil cup campaign, he he was all of a sudden the star of the show, and I think for any young guy that was going to be hard to hard hard for him to adjust to. Um, he's had a season now, sort of biding his time in the Premier Division. But looking at all these attacking options, Paddy McCourt, Danny Morrissey, and Kieran O'Connor, who have looked very very good in pre-season, um, BJ again is there as an option, but you know he, he certainly won't be the guy who'll be who'll be leading the line for them. Um, but looking at, at all these other signings, Johnny Bonner, Donny Gallman, who had played for Wexford Youth last season, um, he's been down in, down in uh, college, down in Carlow. He's a very, very good signing and sort of will probably look to take the mantle left by, by, by Tony McNamee, who, who, whose own uh, sort of personal circumstances have meant 
he's had to pull away. Gillian Piantwell has looked a very, very good signing as well. Um, played with Galway last year and with Keith Cowan looking like he won't play any football this season or certainly yeah. until the latter end of it. Um, he, he's a big signing. And I think as well, a, a player who was maybe underappreciated by Harps last year, who's also recently, I think, McCourt signing has taken the, the shine off it. But Barry Malloy was a big, big asset for Harps last year. His experience of big games and towards the latter end of the season, when Harps were really sort of in a struggle and in a battle for points, Barry Malloy's performances, you know, he sort of, you could see that experience, the gale, the know-how. He signed back as well. He had announced his retirement, but Ollie, um, Ollie as we all know up yeah. here, he's, he's very persuasive um, at times. So he's, uh, he's managed to get his way with Barry Malloy again for this season as well. Big, big, big uh, capture. Okay, Chris McNulty of the Donegal Sports Hub and a few other publications in Donegal. Thanks for joining us on News Talk's SSE Electricity League podcast. Exciting times in Finn Harps and many people have them written off, including me, but they don't have themselves written off. And that's the most important thing. It doesn't matter what the outside believes. It only matters what you as a group believe. I think sales of uh, the Finn Park soup will be through the roof this Friday night. Believe and you can achieve. Yes. Dan, the fixtures this yes, week. Yes, the fixtures. Six in the Premier Division, four in the first. Uh, nine of the games taking place on Friday night in the Premier Division. Four games at 7.45. Bohemians against Derry at Dalyman Park. Galway took on Drogheda in Eamon DC Park. Limerick and Sligo Rovers meet in Markets Field. And St. Pat's take on Bray in Richmond Park. Two games at 8 o'clock. Uh, Finn Harps with Paddy McCourt uh, making his debut, we assume, will Possibly. be taking on Cork in Finn Park. And the game of the opening round fixtures is also live on Air Sport. It's the Champions Dundalk at home to Shamrock Rovers on the new pitch in Oriel Park. Paranoid Android, do you think the fixtures computer wasn't so random in picking yeah, this as the first game? I've, it's a very favourable draw for the start of the season, I think. But why wouldn't you want a game like this at the start well, of the of season? Of course, uh, that's what I'm saying. But yeah. to say it's a fixtures computer... I think, may be pushing it a little. Okay, can I just say as well, fair play to the FAI for putting gold clips up from last Friday night's yes. President's Cup on Twitter. That was a really mm. good service. It certainly was. It's one of the many examples of the good things that they do. Yes. Uh, we but, we but bashed them last week regards the league structure and I continue to say, I want more clarity on that. It's not good enough to but tell it, us, oh no, it. that's it, it's settled, the club's wanted and that's it, it's done. We, everyone's moving on. Everyone's not moving on. Teams will be relegated. Clubs could be ruined. Mm. And it still hasn't been explained by, by, by Fran Gavin or some of the clubs themselves. I want to hear from them. It remains to be seen, but I find it very doubtful with the exception of Dundalk and Shamrock Rovers that there will be goal clips on Friday night. Well, fair play to him for doing last Friday. Of course, Friday. yes. They, they might I be tied would, up by a rights uh, Yes, I could be proven thing, wrong. You know. First division fixtures. Air Sport, by the way, generally yes. put up clips. That's what I'm go. saying yeah. with the exception of that match. Okay. You have got to listen, Oshin. It's, oh, sorry. It's okay. part of working on a podcast. We work here as okay. a team. I listen to you, you listen to me. First division fixtures. Three on Friday night. Athlone take on Waterford in the Athlone Town Stadium, 7.45. Cabin Tilly and UCD in a South Dublin derby. In Stradbrook, also 7.45. And Shelburne, return, uh, Shelburne welcome a returning Longford to the first division. That game is also at 7.45. One game on Saturday. It was due to be later, later in the evening, but it's been pushed forward till 3 o'clock. Cove Rounders take on Wexford Jutes. So the artist, no, formerly, no, no. The artist yeah. formerly known as Wexford Jutes. Yeah. Wexford F- FC. And that game is in St. Coman's Park at 3 o'clock. As always, you can get him on Twitter via... At uh, Daniel. You can get me on at Oshin Langan. And uh, there used to be another guy involved in this podcast. He's gone. Forget he's about gone him. Yet. He's a minnow. He's like bowls and pats exactly. that we haven't covered we don't in the first him. two weeks. We don't rate him. We haven't actually covered Bowser Pats and we promised <laughs> we, we would, yeah. but we're liars. Don't worry, look, obviously we will get to Bowls and Pats. Bad news for Bowls with Owen Waring, by the way. Yes, six I mean, months out. That's a massive, massive blow. Is. Their midfield will be the weaker for it. Yeah, because they don't have what you call the strongest squad and that's by Keith Long's admission. Anyway, um, we will hear from Bowls and Pats throughout the next couple we'll of weeks. We'll be back next week where some teams will have their season ended and some teams will be the presumptive league Exactly, champions. we're only going to talk about winners. I think we all know that. Right, we'll talk to you next week. Hope you enjoyed podcast number two. If not, Richie will be back next week. Maybe we'll make it better. Yeah. He'll bring in some snazzy audio edits. Yeah, true, true. Yeah, very good. Yeah. Anyway, okay. Talk to you in a while. Bye bye.